Praise God. Thank you, musicians, platform workers, ushers. We appreciate your ministry uh, this evening. Amen. Glory to God. Let's open our Bibles to the book of Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to be at, verses 15 uh, through 17. Amen. Praise God. It ain't going to be called like this forever. Okay, so we do live in Houston. If you looked at the forecast tomorrow, it's a high of 60, and then it just keeps on going up. <laughs> so it's just, um, just want to remind you guys, you're not in Prescott. You're not in the northwest of the United States. You are in Houston, Texas. Amen. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 uh, through 17. I'm excited to start Bible study season. Amen. Woo! Praise God. Amen. I always have to remind um, men that run the Bible studies, the focus is to make that thing grow. Um, try to get people. I get it. The fellowship, you come together, and we love it. Um, some people have backyards, they roast some s'mores. I mean, they do all the whole thing, right? And, it's, and that's good for you. But we need to make it grow. We need to gain some people. Amen? Um, that's a successful Bible study season. Maybe you know somebody might not exactly come to a church service, but to a Bible study because it's just a different setting. Use it. Use it. Bring them, bring them in. Let them hear the word of God. At the end of the day, it's by hearing that faith comes. Amen? Colossians chapter 3, verse 15 um, C.S. Lewis today is regarded as one of the 20th century's most influential Christian theologians. If there's anybody here, you want to start reading one of the good places to start, obviously, your Bible. You should be reading your Bible. Um, but outside of the Bible, C.S. Lewis is an incredible author, has a ton of books, very insightful. But this is only because after his conversion to Christianity... Lewis allowed his faith in Jesus Christ to impact everything he did. He was a good author before he got saved. And there's people, maybe you're a reader, you've read some things before that he wrote. But when he got saved, he allowed Jesus to impact and flow through him, including the products he chose to create. One of, the, uh, my, one of my favorite things to talk about with men or even preach on every once in a while is the idea of creativity in the house of God, that there is a place for people, for men and women, to, become, to be creative in their own ways, that be your talents or your abilities. And the concert scene that we have as a church allows that, gives a platform for that. C.S. Lewis wrote a lot of books. In his works of nonfiction, Lewis began to use words to paint pictures of who God is and who is, and who is he not. In his classic fiction writings, he used his considerable skills as a writer to tell stories of redemption. And probably the biggest, probably the most famous work that he's done is the Chronicles of Narnia. And the best example of this is found in that. The fictional series, was, uh, series which centers on the character of Aslan, which is the Christ-like lion who creates Narnia and, and redeems it through a sacrificial death. If you'll follow the story, maybe you watch the movie. This, this, uh, this majestic creature, this lion, is throughout the movie pictured as the leader. He's pictured as this very uh, uh, beast of an animal, but yet gentle. And then he ends up dying a sacrificial death. It's a picture of Jesus. And what he did was he used 
his talent and his ability to be able to minister through books. Like C.S. Lewis, conversion is something that affects every area of our lives. We must allow it to flow out of our lives with the parameters that the Bible establishes. And the best way to illustrate this, that I believe, is almost like a well-defined violent river. It's this place where the power of God is able to flow through us. And we'll talk about this, but I believe that is an, an incredible thought. That here it is, the creator of the universe wants to use us as a vessel. And there's people here today, listen, you have specific talents, you have specific abilities, you have things that God blessed you with, and God wants to use those. God wants to use those gifts. Colossians chapter 3, verses 15 through 17 says, And let the peace of Christ rule, say with me, rule, rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. I want to preach a sermon that I've entitled The Aslan Effect. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Jesus, for this moment that you've given us. God, I pray that by the Holy Ghost, you will help me to minister tonight. God, I hide behind your cross. God, I don't come in my talents or abilities. Father, I have full confidence in you and not this flesh. God, I pray that you will inspire men and women in this congregation tonight, God. Father, to go above and beyond in engaging, in serving, and in ministry. God, that you will reveal to them there's gifts, God, there's talents, there's abilities you've blessed them with, God, that they'll be able to use in the kingdom. We thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God said tonight, amen. I want to start off with my first thought, and that is the overflow. Conversion isn't just a change of religion. Jesus didn't come into your life simply for you to change the status on your Facebook. He didn't come simply so that he can use your WhatsApp status. It is a change from the inside out. The word conversion means to change from one character, from a type or purpose to another. It comes from a Greek word, which is metanoia, which means a change, a change of mind. Our bodies convert. Think about this. Our bodies convert food into energy. We can convert inches to centimeters, pounds to kilograms, and dollars to euros. Our heart can undergo a similar conversion. We can change direction morally. We can change it psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. It is this place where you represent something else now. We can see this in the conversion Throughout the Bible, we see conversions. The Christian hating Saul became Paul, who devoted the rest of his life to serving the church he once tried to destroy. 
First Corinthians chapter 15, verses 9 through 11, For I am the least of the apostles, unworthy to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace towards me was not in vain. On the contrary, I worked harder than any of them. Though it was not I, but the grace of God that is with me, whether then it was I or they, so we preach, and so you believed. We can speak about the man in Mark chapter 5, the demon-possessed man, verse 15. And they came to Jesus and saw the demon-possessed man, the one who had the legion sitting there, clothed and in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who had seen it uh, described to them what had happened to the demon-possessed man and to the pigs, and they began to beg Jesus to depart from their region. Verse 18, as he was getting into the boat, the man who had been possessed with demons begged them that he might be with them. And you can go on to read, and there is a powerful deliverance and a powerful conversion. See, the Holy Spirit has lost none of his power. We are in 2024, and God is still converting people. God is still setting people free. God is still delivering people. It is the power of God that still converts the drug addict, that still converts the sex addict and all kinds of sinful lifestyles. You might be sitting here tonight and you're struggling with some type of sin. It might be some type of addiction. It is the power of God that can set you free. In our text, we see some key words that gives us insight into God's power in our life. Verse 15, and let the peace of Christ rule in your heart. This word rule comes from a Greek word that, def that it, by definition is to act as a judge or an umpire. And it is this idea that somewhere when you allow God to rule, he is the one that's in charge in your life. A lot of the issues we have in the house of God is that there's Christians who have not allowed God to rule in their hearts. The picture here is that the peace of Christ has total dominion over a person's life. That nothing else has the right to cause a reaction or determine a, deci a decision. No doubt there will be attacks from hell and there will be things that will try to infiltrate. But when it crosses over into God's domain, which should be your mind, your heart, then there is something there, a power of God that says you have not the right here. Further on in our text, we see in verse 16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The word dwell is to inhabit or to occupy it is, is used around 37 um, different times in the Bible. And the idea behind this word, it is literally of a person that will remain sitting. I don't know if you saw, um, it was trending. It was a, a, a video in, in, in Los Angeles on the highway. I forget what highway it was, but there was a group of protesters that just sat on the highway. You're, but you've probably seen that in different areas, in different cities. They sit down. And they won't move. And, it, and usually what ends up happening is you watch the video when one of the people that are driving ends up getting ticked off enough to where they get off and they start dragging them out the, out the streets. But here this picture, the word dwell, means somebody that sits down and says, this is mine. And the thought is here, it says, let the word of Christ dwell 
sit down, make uh, to, to create a dominion and say, this is mine. To remain in place spiritually, to be in, to live in, to reside in, to make it his own. And my question to you tonight is, does the word of God have that place in your life? As the absolute truth that you don't waver from. Doesn't matter what grandma says. Doesn't matter what the left says or what the right says. That it's the word of God that determines the truth. It says that it will dwell in you richly. The word rich means in abundance of. Then we see do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I didn't come prepared to give you a Greek word for everything, but I think you know what that means. Do everything. In the name of the Lord Jesus. I want to move on to my second thought. And that is the paradox of conversion. See, when you're changed by the Spirit of God. And there's a fire in you. There's a desire and a passion to want to do something for him. This is why some of the funnest moments in Christianity and in church and ministry is around new converts. Because they're just on fire for God. Take a moment and think how you were acting when you were first saved. The things that you did. I can go on and tell stories. Uh, uh, me and my friend, we one time, um, we found the code to the PA system at Walmart. And we pulled it up, the phone, and we put the code in and we preached on it. <laughs> And that's just one of the things we did. We did. We did several things. Street preach right in the middle. Uh, get on buses. We used to get on the buses and and pass off flyers there. And, and and street preach in Honduras. We used to do the same thing. And it is just this fire, this passion, this unruliness, if you will, this recklessness, simply because you have now a new love. Conversion creates this fire in us that eventually needs to become a controlled fire. And I'm going to explain what I mean by that. It's this determined current. The Zambezi is considered by many of the world's, by many of the world as the world's most dangerous river. You can look it up, Zambezi is Z-A-M-B-E-Z-I. It's almost 1,900 miles long, peppered with unexploded mines killer rapids and deadly animals but one thing about the river that is for sure is the river knows which way it is going and i believe that is a perfect picture here it is 1900 miles of all kinds of danger but you know which way that river is going that is a picture of what a christian should look like should mimic it should mimic this power this place of recklessness, if you will, against, against the, uh, the world, against anything that's immoral, but you know which way it is going. It should be an overflow, but what a purpose. It is this immeasurable power that is focused through calling in life. I've said this before. When I first got saved, I was sitting uh, with, with Willie probably in this in this in a role like this and pastor joe moreno was doing a revival if you guys remember that revival uh, was incredible and um and he was giving out words and he gave a word to us and he says listen you guys are on fire and we were because we were annoying 
<laughs> we, we couldn't sit still. You know, we're, we're young and we're, we, we want to do something for God. And he said, you guys are on fire. But then he said, right now, you're like a spray can. He says, you press it and it goes everywhere. It goes into the air. And it, it, there's, there's even um, an after spray begins to touch everything. He says, eventually, he says, you need to laser in. So you need to become a laser. You need purpose. You need calling. For me, that was discipleship. It was having men in the church that can laser me in into purpose. It was having a pastor that can bring me in to have the same overflow, but with intention. The Bible describes God's power as rivers of living water. John 4.10, Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God of who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living water. John 7, 37 through 38, on the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, if anyone thirst, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Rivers have currents. Rivers are very dangerous places. It is places where we like to go. If you're this type of guy, this type of woman, you like to go to rivers to do the white water rafting, and you like doing all the, the, the cool stuff on tubes and stuff, but in reality is you're, 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 you're playing with your life. And that's what makes things fun at times, right? <laughs> but that's the paradox. It's this power of God. I wonder today if we could try to put a number on the current, if we can think about the power of God as electricity, what kind of voltage would it have? What kind of amperage would it have? Like what kind, like what could we say? Like this is the, the power of God is this much. Like it's just, this is the amount of number. And I know we can simply just say it's infinity. We can just say that, right? But just to think in your minds, like how much power are we talking about when God says, I will baptize you with the Holy Ghost? There'll be power, you know, and this is the, the rivers of living water. What does that river actually look like? And I believe this is the paradox, is that God's power can be manifested through humans. And to add an adjective there, through puny humans. What a crazy thought. And I believe this is where creativity comes along. That God found ways to overflow his power into us. You know, I think it's crazy when we tend to do life without him. Especially spiritual warfare. We try to cast out demons and we're not even praying. You know, it's like, I'm going to cast out this demon. What's the last time you fasted, bro? Like, what's the last time? <laughs> like, sis, listen, what's the last time you open your Bible and you want to you know what I'm talking about tonight. What, what, what's amazing is that God chose to manifest his power this way. It wasn't an accident. It wasn't just something that just came out of some type of stumbling. He chose, John 15, 16, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. Beloved, that is power. That we're appointed to be fruitful. 
Think about Ananias and how God appointed him to lead Paul to God. That somewhere here it is this man blind after conversion. And it is this man who is able to lead him. That's power. That's being fruitful. Which begs to be asked, if I'm not seeing the fruitfulness of God, why is it that God is not pushing power through me? What's going on that I'm not seeing the overflow of God's power in my life? And I think we can go on and on tonight about different opinions and different things. Some of them might be very well true. But I think a lot of it becomes, at least in my opinion, is we get stunted by religion. Religion becomes this block. It becomes this place where it's like if I, if it has to be this way or if not, then I, I can't, I'm not going to allow anything else to happen. But the power of God, the Bible says, is like a rushing. It's like these, this river that we know the direction, but it just overflows. I'm going to close on my third point, and that is culture changing. Men and women who allow God's power to flow through them is what changes the world. Can I try to encourage you here today? Maybe you're not doing everything for God because you're scared to fail. Because you fear what other people are going to say. You fear what the church is going to say. Can I just tell you, in my 11 years of preaching, I have failed a lot. I've done all kinds of things, and to be honest with you, most of them have failed. But that's just the reality of life. That's ministry. I always, uh, I think these quotes are so funny because I think they're obvious, but um, maybe they're not. You ever heard the, the phrase, common sense is not common sense to everybody? Wayne Gretzky, a hockey player, said, you only make the shots that, you only make the shots that you take. And I think about that, I'm like, well, duh. <laughs> If you don't take a shot, you're not going to make it. But that's the problem, isn't it? The problem is we're not taking shots. We're not going out there trying to save some people. We're just these conservative people at times where we just allow things to pass by. It's this idea that I can go and be creative, put my fingerprint on it in a sense, so that I can see some people get saved. This is exactly what C.S. Lewis did. This man knew one thing and one thing only, and that is to write books. He was good at it. So when he got saved, he didn't say, I'm going to go do something else. He said, no, I'm going to use this for the gospel. I'm going to use this for the kingdom. And I dare to say here tonight, there's people here, there are things that you are good at. There are doors that have been opened to you, resources at your hand. And God's saying, I saved you for that reason. Apostle Paul was saved for a specific reason. He was influential. He was a man that was going to take the gospel further than what anybody else was going to do. The influence, the authority, the earthly power, if you will, that he had was one uh, unique to him and God knew exactly what he was doing when he saved the apostle Paul and very well tonight I want you to understand God knew exactly what he was doing when he saved you the idea is not that God will change us to good people these goody people goody tushy right is the word but that he will make you a force to be reckoned with in this world 
The idea is that God's power will flow through us to a darkened and dying world. Ephesians chapter 1, verses 19 and 21. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power? That's a good word. Immeasurable greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places. Verse 21, for above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. That is the one that empowers you. That is Jesus. The word grace literally means to empower you. That you will be a river who has a current flowing to a specific direction. I believe tonight the challenge is that we must seek to be used by God in every area we have influence in. If you want to change the world, you're going to have to give yourself up to God. You should ask yourself tonight, what, what area in the church am I, making it, am I making better? How am I using my talents and my abilities in the house of God? Can you... Honestly, tell somebody that there's the power of God flowing through your life. There's a, I don't know what song it is, but there's a song. I remember the lyric. It just came to my mind. He says, I can, he said, the problem I had was that he said, I knew the power of God and I can tell people all about it, but I wasn't experiencing it in my life. Is that, is that you? You can tell people about the power of God? but you can't show them the power of God. So I believe there's a few things we need to consider to get to a place where we are allowing God's power to flow through us. One, number one, is availability. Some people, it stops right there. You're just not available. There are things that occupy your schedule you're not willing to change there are things that occupy your mind, your time, your resources. You're just, you're just not available. And one thing you, you, you must understand is throughout the Bible, when God called the man, he didn't check his schedule. He didn't look for him. He says, Moses, hey, you got time on Saturday, bro? I need you. Um, Monday, can you go to Pharaoh's place? You're busy Monday? Let's do Tuesday. <laughs> That's not what happened. He calls busy people. They're all busy, but the point is that they dropped their nets and said, I am going to follow you. You must make yourself available. Number two is submission. Throughout the Bible, throughout the word of God, calling always had another man who helped the person reach his destination. Study it on your own. Every person had somebody to help them. So you're going to have to learn how to submit to headship, submit to leadership. And it's not even just, you know what, do you have a pastor or do you not? It's more of the idea that, you know what, you're going to have men who are going to be in charge of you. Sometimes it's easy to submit to pastor because pastor has a title, right? And, every, and, and in a church established like this, there's a lot of people, they already do that. So it's easy to just kind of fall in line with that. But there's other leaderships too. There's other leaders. You must learn how to, do, how to submit to that. So be available, be submissive, and then also have radical faith. 
And what I mean by that is that you will just try it. Just try it. I'm trying to remember a title of a book I read by Stephen Furtick. I know he's not the greatest example, but he has, a, um, he has an incredible book about, about faith. And he makes his quote, he says something in the book, and he said it's almost offensive to God to not try and pray about things because we think he doesn't, he's not going to do it. I mean, think about it. Like, uh, Who are we to say that God can't use that? Or that God won't use that? You remember the last time? It happened in the Bible, Peter was with Cornelius, and God said, don't call dirty, don't call unclean what I've cleaned. That was a boss move. God's just telling him, listen, you have no clue what I'm doing. Don't just say, you know what, I can't. He's, he's not going to be able to. He, in the, the Bible, if you, if you read it before, uh, before the subtitle is no partiality, and God's just telling Peter, I will, uh, I will fill Gentiles and Jews with the Holy Ghost. He says, no partiality. I will use whoever. It's this radical faith. This idea that, you know what, I'm going to do whatever it takes to save some souls. I'm just going to try different things. And I believe that's what makes men great. That's what makes women great in the kingdom of God. It's when they start to use the mind that God gave them. You ever, you ever, you ever wonder why God gave you that mind? I don't know if you, I pray like that sometimes. I'm, I'm on my knees. I'm like, God, why did you make me this way? Why do I have to think that way? Why do I, is it cool? There's a purpose for that. There's a purpose for that, and God wants to use that. And I want to encourage every person in this place to go above and beyond and say, God, you gave me what you gave me. I want to use it for you. Everything, the Bible says, verse 17, Colossians 3, 17, and whatever you do, in word or deed, that meant speech or action, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, their Father through him. And you might be sitting here tonight, you might be saying, well, I'm good at this, but I don't know how to use that. How can I use that? Two things. One, ask God. God will help you. And two, you have a church, you have leaders, you have people who older saints who have been ahead of you a few steps you can ask them hey i have this resource I, I have i have this ability how can i use this for the kingdom of god that's a good question there are people here today god's speaking to you there are things that are unique to you and god says i can use that i can use that for the kingdom it's the aslan effect it's the c.s lewis mind to say, you know what, I'm going to use the creativity that God blessed me with to be able to bless other people. Can I get every head bowed and every eye closed quickly tonight? Hallelujah. Amen. You're here tonight. You're not saved. You're not right with God. If you're to die at this moment, heaven will not be your home. You want to change that? You want to give your life to Jesus Christ? You want to surrender? You're saying, I don't want to continue to live on my own or partially on my own. I am ready to surrender and submit to God, make myself available to Him and allow Him to rule in my life. That's you tonight. That's you. Would you raise your hand? I want to pray for you. Maybe you're backslidden a person who used to be right with God. 
But today you're far from him. You've turned your back on him. That's not to say just that you hate him. I've met a lot of backsliders. They have a love for God. They just, in action, have turned away from him. You're here tonight. You're a backslider. You're saying, you know what? I'm, I'm done running away from God. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to reconcile my relationship with him. I want him to rule. I want him to use me. If that's you, would you raise your hand? Hallelujah. Amen. Very well. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, I want to change the order of the service. I want to speak to the church. Church, listen, my goal, my hope with the sermon was to encourage people to get involved in the things of God. And that isn't to bash on people here tonight that are already, there's a lot of people here, you've been involved for years and you're a tremendous blessing. But I believe there is something there where God is saying, I have something specific that I want you to do. There's a reason why you came into the kingdom. The Bible, the very phrase we use many times that we read in Esther, and that is for such a time as this. And it was a specific place at a specific time with specific people, and that is all that the calling of God is. We have a general one, but there is a very specific one that points to specificities in your life. Details that only line up with your life. A calling that lines up with you. There are preachers, there are evangelists here, but there's also men who will have businesses, people, teenagers who will grow up. There will be doctors and there will be teachers. They will go on to go into the workforce. And God, listen, God called you to that. To be a blessing to be a force to be reckoned with in those areas. I want to encourage you today that you will come to the altar and ask God, God, what is that specific thing you want me to do? What is it that you want me to do? We know it's coming to church. We know it's reading your Bible. We know it's praying. But you will come to the altar and ask that very dangerous question. God, what is it that you specifically want me to do? Let's stand up to our feet tonight. These altars are open. I want to encourage you that you will come and talk to Jesus. That you will come and lift up your voice. We're going to sing out a song together as a church. But I want to encourage you that you will come and do business with God. You will come and reason with Him. Speak to Him. Ask Him for revelation. I believe God has something for each and every single one of us here tonight don't want to skip on this altar you want to come and talk to Jesus hallelujah let's sing out the song